0: Welcome to How Have You Not Seen That? I'm Charles. I'm Crossman. I'm Wilson. And this is a podcast where we admit to movies we have not seen. We may have you know, been in like situations in a party where people are talking about a very famous movie and then we'll just pretend to have seen it just so that we don't look like a total loser. Um, but here we are. Uh, we're going to fill in these gaps. So Crossman, you have not seen Dirty Dancing. I'm a little surprised by that. It seems like a very Crossman movie. So. It does? It feels like it's very 80s, right? So, like, that that seems like a very Crossman thing, right? So, it is very 80s. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell us about Dirty Dancing? Sure.
1: Dirty Dancing is set in the 60s, 63. 63. Our main character, Baby Houseman, is on vacation with her family. She's on a week long vacation. They go to a Catskills like resort. And at this resort, they're. Are a number of activities and one of which are dance classes and there's also this like sort of like group of like hype dancers essentially <laughs> that try and teach people dances and like get them jazz to like dance. Isn't it really works? works. Yeah. Goes all
2: in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Baby kind of like falls in <laughs> with some of the locals and uh, goes to a, a dance uh, that's just like staff only and that's where the real dirty dancing <laughs> is, is happening. That's when, I, that's when the dirty part happens. Yeah. So yeah she kind of falls in with the staff and befriends uh, this one character uh, he's a cousin of the character that's played by Patrick Swayze who's kind of like the lead male dance teacher uh, at this resort and him and his dance party partner kind of like show up to that dance and um, she's sort of like coaxed onto the dance floor by Swayze, and but then he's just kind of like kind of leaves her, and and we we sort of like advance to the next day. The our, our main character is being accosted by this kind of like really normie uh, future doctor, <laughs> yeah, future Ivy League doctor um, who's like kind of taking her behind the scenes, and and while this is happening, she sees uh, Swayze's dance partner. Um who's like crying in the corner corner of like the kitchen of, of this resort. She goes and finds her friend and Swayze and they come to help her. Turns out that this character is is pregnant by one of the other staff. And Wait, he's the future doctor. Sorry, I got him mixed up. They're all kind of like They're all doctors. This guy's yeah. the hotel manager. Right. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a Cornell uh, hotel management major. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's yeah. funny. They sort of decide that this character needs to get an abortion, and there's a doctor in town who is available to do that. But the female dancer, I'm forgetting the character's name, is is unable to... Penny is unable to have an abortion because there's like a big dance presentation at like another resort that she needs to attend to like get her full summer salary yeah. and to maintain the job for next season yeah yeah so baby <clears throat> volunteers to step in for penny is trained by swayze and penny over the next few days to like execute this dance so they do that and they, they're they able to like sort of successfully execute the performance uh, and when they get back it turns out that penny's doctor was Because it was like kind of like a back alley abortion situation. She's in like great medical apparel and Baby goes and fetches her father who's played by Jerry Orbach also also a doctor (laughs) and is able to to save Penny But Jerry Orbach is sort of misled and thinks that like Swayze is the father and not the sort of like scumbag Ivy League kid the uh, the Swayze character and baby start to have like a romantic they develop like a romantic relationship but um then there's there's like this like really minor kind of throwaway moment that like people around the resort have been getting robbed and they think it's Swayze's character the manager of the hotel goes to like fire Swayze but Baby steps up and says like no like she had spent the night with Swayze and so she knows that like he wasn't the robber Swayze gets fired anyways even after Baby has like sort of admitted this in front of her family which in the 60s would have been like pretty horrifying mm-hmm. we jump ahead to kind of like the last day of camp <laughs> and um there's like normally a dance presentation that would have been headlined by Swayze and Penny but it, it's it's the the like staff of the camper like having like a sort of like singing choral cor- performance I guess you can call it a song yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Swayze shows up in the middle of that and then sort of like tears the house down like Right down and like does a dance and we get the sort of like famous mm-hmm. moment where baby like jumps off the stage or is like does a dance move off the stage and then she runs and like does a lift dance move which she had been afraid to do like throughout the rest of the movie and the movie like ends at that moment right and he yeah. like reconciles with yeah, yeah Orbach and yeah yeah, yeah. Or- Orbach in <laughs> in a funny way kind of like finds out that the the father yeah. is <laughs> actually the Ivy League. Kid and he apologizes to Swayze. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the movie. Um, that was a very thorough recounting of the events of. <laughs> it's <kind> of complicated. <laughs> There's a lot going on. It's, a, it's tightly plotted. Like th- this is a very efficient movie. Yes, it is. There's like pretty much every piece is necessary. Everything that happens in it like needs to happen for the movie to function the way that it functions, which yeah. is the sign of just a well-written movie. Frankly, mm-hmm. like it's really a great script. Yes. Yeah. Charles,
0: you had not seen this before, correct? No, I had not. Okay. Uh, what'd you think? I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, I did feel like a common problem with like old classic movies is they they feel kind of formulaic to me. And mm-hmm. this one kind of, uh, it fell prey to that sort of thing where the movie generally felt like very predictable. You know, the character moments are very charming. I thought that the, the extra plot beats, I didn't expect. Like the story about... Like the, the kind of class conflict and mm-hmm. the abortion story. I, I didn't expect that to be in it. And so that all made it a lot more interesting. And so overall, you know, I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I think this
1: is a great, great movie. <laughs> I think it's really, really good. I did, what so do you think? I, I was, having not seen this movie, I was no. under the impression that it was just like a by the numbers, like 80s rom-com. Nope. And that was totally wrong. Yeah, it's not that. And I really liked it. I was yeah. kind of blown away by like how good it is and how like transgressive the movie feels even today. Yes. Abortion is like rarely discussed on, on film and mm-hmm. rarely seen it in a positive light. That's that was like pretty wild to see like I don't think this movie could get made today like I don't I, think I, film production companies would make this movie. It,
2: this might be the most pro-choice movie I've ever seen. Period. Yeah, yeah uh, just yeah. outright. Yeah, <laughs> just the most pro-abortion movie. And great. Like that's <laughs> it, it. It's such a strong argument for abortion rights. Like, it's such a persuasive argument for abortion rights.
1: And the movie, like, ties class into it really, yes. really well. Yeah. Uh, and has, like, really good class politics, which, again, is, like, very rare. Yeah, so you didn't know any of that coming in? Nothing. No, okay. I, I thought it was just, like, a by-the-numbers rom-com. Cool.
2: Because I remember when I, I saw this relatively late in life for the first time, and I, I knew going in that it was an abortion story. Um And there was, no like, idea. class stuff going on. So that must have been... Quite surprising
0: when you when you turn this one on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: yeah, I mean, when you when you hear about the movie, you only hear about the dance scenes, right? Which like, are great, and the songs and all that. So yeah. you, you don't really get that underpinning, right? Like, you know Yeah, that's how it was. of it. That's how it was pitched to me when I first watched yeah. it.
2: Is like, oh yeah, it's this. It, it, you'd think it's this other thing, but it's really this. Okay. You know, subversive kind of abortion movie and. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> like uh, it, on every beat, like they they take every opportunity here to really underline the feminist perspective and the class-based perspective. It's such a class-conscious movie as well. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, it's it's great. Um, where do you want to start? Gray, the main actor. Jennifer Gray. Baby. Yeah, Jennifer Gray. Great. She's great. Yeah. Really nails what's like a very physical performance because. Yeah. I'm sure she trained for months. To do this film, but at the beginning of the film, she needs to. Turns out she didn't. She didn't. Yeah, no. that's even more incredible than. <laughs> yeah, production. was... filming was like
2: three months, and they like huh. didn't have that much lead up at all. I don't know how she. So did she had this to learn stuff. it just
0: like she did in the movie, essentially, essentially in yes. a
2: week. Yeah, because Swayze came in with a with dance training, with a dance background, mm. and yeah, and, and he has like martial arts training too. Right, he's in his so so. Yeah, it shows. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Apparently, John Gray. Did not
1: have all that, which it's, is all the more impressive. I agree. Yeah, that's kind of blows my mind because she's like, yeah, she's really good, mm-hmm. and you
0: can really see her transformation. And yeah. It's convincing, it's a
1: great performance,
2: it really, really is. And she, like, especially early in the movie, she doesn't even have that many lines. Like, it's, it's so much of the she's
0: very shy, she's
2: very shy, she's very quiet. Like, so much uh, of the early performances, like, her watching things and like you carrying see, watermelons, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a great line, <laughs> carrying watermelons. <bottle. laughs> It's so good and like she kills it like she absolutely like the the handful lines that she has like you get a sense of who this character is you immediately get like this like open-hearted good-natured person who really is still defiant and so all of her moves throughout the rest of the movie make perfect sense right like are just right on beat with everything that we can see and up till now and so much of that is is right on Jen Gray she did such a great job yeah it's cool
1: she's like a class trainer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which is pretty rad. Yes. We should all aspire to (laughs) to that. Like the first thing she does is take money from her father and give it to someone who needs it. (laughs) Right. Which is like, that's rad. Yeah. And
2: and what I like about it is that there's no hemming and hawing. There's no like, oh, gee, I I don't know what my dad would think. Or she what. knows what the right thing to do. Yeah, she just does it.
1: She just, she just immediately and in the face does of it. Swayze's character is like, oh, you're just so like, like a rich person. Her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. mocking her
2: afterwards too. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's easy to go ask for ask daddy for money. Uh, and I understand Swayze's. You you learn later that Swayze's character is like doing sex work at mm-hmm. the resort. He's
2: essentially being abused to mm-hmm. yeah to get yeah. by
1: and so it would be understandable that someone in that situation wouldn't trust the visitors to the, mm-hmm. to the resort and that's like very layered and yeah the mm-hmm. nuance so that is like because if he just comes off as like an asshole early in the scene early in the movie and then late you like you're like wow like he's really it's like actually stuff. very profound like what he's going through right like that moment mm-hmm. when he
2: says no they were using me it, like when, because they have that conversation in the bedroom, and yeah. he asks him like, "How many women have you been with?" And she said, "He's like, oh well, you know, I work at this resort. There's a lot of women here that come in and out. They're you know, slipping me their their room keys." And she says, "Okay, I understand. Like you you were just using them." And he says, "No, they were using me." Like that is really effective. It's just that one line, and like there's not that much
1: after it, but yeah. it works really well. Like, and that's also like his performance is the Swayze, says it's a very physical performance. Mm-hmm. So like notions around like how the how the male body is objectified in this mm-hmm. film through him is like that's really interesting and
2: yeah because you have like rare. that that yeah. old lush whose husband is only there during the weekend and like it's clear that she's basically preying on him and using him because he's in a, a lesser position of power yeah and there's this great turn where he turns her down that really works right like he has a good arc and yeah. it kind of plays in the background of the the baby arc but it's still really effective. Yeah, so that's it's a good performance. And he did all those stuns. Like the, the stuff on the log, like when they're in the woods, oh, and yeah. like, that was Swayze, and he fell off that log multiple times. Oh God. <laughs> apparently, and he has a bum knee. <laughs> like apparently he injured his knee relatively early in life. Um, and like they were afraid that he was gonna screw up his knee and like delay or ban production.
0: Well, because they have like one part where they zoom out there and it's actually pretty high up and they're not over water. It's just rocks. (laughs) Yeah, like that seems irresponsible. I agree. The the close-ups probably, they probably have cushions there or something.
2: I I would hope. I don't know. We don't know. Because I, I, I had that same thought. And then I looked up after I watched it again. I was like, oh, the, he actually did that. Oh, my and God. And he fell. <laughs> like, that's, that's no good. So, yeah. Oh, so, as yes, put it all out there. Uh, apparently, this was based on the experience of the writer, whose name is Eleanor Bergston at Catskills Resorts. Yeah. And she did this, essentially. <laughs> like, she had a relationship with a dance instructor that was older than her when she went to these yeah, apparently it's the Summer guy retreats. that choreographed
1: West Side Story. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I missed that tidbit. That's yeah. pretty good. Like, this guy is, like, a known dance instructor. Okay, well, and the West Side
2: Story, one of the all-time great dance movies, period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, apparently this is relatively true to her life and the uh, the class dynamics. Well, how much of it, I wonder. I, I mean, I, I don't know if she actually really paid for an abortion. Yeah, I was looking for yeah. more
1: information about, like, how true the movie is. I couldn't find that. But... The wiki article at least says that like it's based on her experience, okay. right? And it, I, I found like, I'm sure there's like you know fictional elements, but well, yeah, of course. Was, yeah. yeah, like I found snippets from an interview she did where she
2: was like, "Yeah, like all this stuff basically happened to me, maybe not in that order, but like she said, she had that relationship, she went to these resorts, um, and she very consciously set this in '63, uh, where she, it was very, it was intentionally just a few months before Kennedy was shot." Uh it was ten years before Roe B. Wade. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was this kind of the end of that fifties culture. Like it was sixty three, but like still so much of that was dominant at that time. And she was very conscious of the the period that she was placing this in. Um and the anachronistic music that she that, that they ended up
1: choosing. Yeah, that and I wondered stood about out to me because like <clears throat> some of the music is like not music that you would attempt, like immediately think of as like dance music. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of like almost surf like it's a rockabilly mm-hmm. soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, and that was funny. That came out. I was
0: like, "Why they're dancing to this?" Like, there's a few moments where I was like, "That's a funny song to like." It's kind of a to. late '50s sort of feel, though. I yeah. guess, right. But they also have songs that are just like made for the movie, and thus we associate them as '80s songs. Right? Yeah, and that was kind of funny to hear them playing.
2: Well, yeah. T- uh, uh, I had the time of my life, like the song that won an Oscar yeah. for, for this movie. It mm-hmm. uh, couldn't have been made in '63. Like right. the the sounds that that song uses yeah. were not possible with the technology that was available <laughs> in 1963.
1: Yeah, but the the earlier songs are just like mm-hmm. rock Mo- yes. songs. Yeah, yeah. Many and of it's them. funny to see them like dancing or something.
2: Yeah, like, and they kill it. Like it's bit, like mm-hmm. let's talk about the dancing in this movie. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's it's so good.
1: The woman who plays Penny, I don't know if she actually like does some of the high kicks if that actress did or if it was a stunt actor. I'm but pretty
2: sure it was her because she was in um, Saturday Night Fever too like she
1: had been doing dance movies Yeah, she does like artists. a full on like vertical split yeah which is insane yeah it's incredible like there's like maybe like 20 people in the world that not a do. lot Yeah, <laughs> it's not a high number yeah
2: um, and it, it's riveting like every single dance sequence in this movie is just great and it's another exa- like we talked about this when we watched um, Singing in the Rain and, and movies like that like you just Put the bodies in the frame and watch them do the thing, and that's all you need. And like most of the I time, I mean, it's
0: just straight up stunt work, right? Like, yeah, as that's we've exactly. been saying, it's that's... it's like watching Bruce Lee. Yeah, it is like
2: that, and it, it, it's like that carries so many scenes, and it's so good here. That opening number with Penny and and Johnny with the Swayze character is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's, I wasn't. No, go ahead and they like use it a, a really tall aspect ratio like this fills yeah. the screen and they use that space so well like you just get the entire body in there and you just see someone with that kind of masterful control over how they move about in space it's riveting it's great yeah
0: yeah, yeah I, I felt like going into this that i wouldn't be sold by the dancing element of it just because i'm not into that kind of thing normally but like they're just so good at it that you know i was sold on it
2: yeah and that's just like, it. like most of the time you see somebody really really good at a thing doing the yeah. thing like that's often enough. <laughs> like you, yeah. you'll, you'll sit down and watch them do the thing.
0: And I, I think they made some like really good wardrobe choices too, because Penny's mm. always wearing like a really flowy dress, right? And it accentuates their dance moves so well, and it really adds to the like grandeur of the production.
2: Yeah, well, and the, the clothes are a, a great classic of in uh, this this movie as well, right? Yeah. Like you have all of the dancers and the dance group basically in t-shirts, jeans you know, work boots, stuff like that. You have the waiters and the staff that work that are more front-facing, and they are in their waiter suits, suits and, yeah. and their uniforms. The dorky their uniforms. sweaters. Yeah, their dorky sweaters. Then you have the guests that are all in, you know, the bougie, posh sweaters also. A lot of sweaters for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> but true. <anyway. laughs> uh, but, it, like, that, those costume choices are, are you know, well observed um, here. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the class dynamics in this movie because yeah. that 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 feels at least as essential as the feminist and abortion dynamics at play here.
1: It, I mean, it's pretty thoughtful and yeah, just like all the Ivy League young men that like work at this resort are just trying to be like assholes. Every yeah, single <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. The one, uh, the one guy, Robbie, who's like the the real scumbag, the chief of, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um. When Baby kind of approaches him and is like, hey, you need to like be responsible for this. He like throws out a copy of The Fountainhead and he's <laughs> so like... So good. <laughs> such a great moment. <laughs> it's like the best thing Unrent's ever done for film. I was <laughs> shocked by that. I was yeah. like, oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. perfect. And she dumps that entire pitcher of water on his lap. Yeah. <laughs> It's so
2: great,
0: and he's like, "Oh, I got notes in the margins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, gotta, I need might, that
2: copy back." Like he's gonna sit down and read the entire fucking fountainhead mm-hmm. under <laughs> summer break. Books like seven hundred pages long. That yeah. was great, and I, I love that it was like this beat up copy. Like he's been thumbing through the fountainhead for, for years and years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, it was, that, that's the best Ayn Rand moment in cinema, period. <laughs> and she has entire movies based on
1: her The Futurama Ayn Rand joke is pretty good. What's the Futurama joke? So they, they go to like old New York, which uh-huh. is like the mutant town. Yeah. And they're talking to one of the mutants and he's like, oh yeah, just people just like flush their trash down the toilet all the time. And he turns, it's just a book of and like all these Ayn Rand books on his shelves. <laughs> <jokes." laughs> Perfect. That's, good. <laughs> that, that's very
2: good. Yeah. But yeah, I think that when, when you, I mean, the, the when you talk about the class dynamics in this book, I I think it, it, like Swayze is the character that stands in for a lot of that. Like he's the one yeah. that is here to service that story and those themes. And he does a good job.
1: You get to like a lot of his like backstory too, where he's yeah. like, he grew up like in, he's, it's implied that he grew up in New York mm-hmm. and like not a good area that like this is, doing this is like the one thing he's passionate about but he's like not able to like get by you know, right and right and he's good
2: at it, right like and he, and he yeah. is obviously good at it. and he yeah. has that sequence where it's like yeah it's spot opened up in the union but it's like what is it painting yeah or something? yeah yeah that was it and he's like clearly not excited about that but he knows that he might have to do it and give up what he's doing here like it's not just like, the the material component of the class differences is central, right? Like, mm-hmm. they need the $250 for the, the yeah. abortion. Even
1: sheep. just, like, all the staff, the sort of behind-the-scenes staff, like, is, like, a very diverse group. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of, the front house staff is all, like, the Ivy League right. kids.
2: So, just here's another doctor, here's another doctor. Yeah, another
1: doctor. yeah, I, I, like, I thought that dynamic was... Yeah, to. it I, was a small detail, but it was like good.
0: I think yeah. the most interesting and important recurring um, class dynamic is uh, how the lower class individuals here have the choice taken away from them mm-hmm. because of their situation, because they have to make money to get by, right? And that informs so much of how they construct their life, because they always, you know, have to do these specific events so that they can ensure that they have another job the next season, or else, you know. The, the hotel will just pick up a different dance yeah, troupe or straight, whatever. And yeah. so they don't have any choice in the matter. They have to do this. And so that, you know, that that creates the central like conflict or the driving force. And then it would be because uh, like we discussed before, Penny can't get the abortion because she has to do the event, right? Uh, or like um Patrick Swayze's character has <laughs> to essentially essentially has to be violated by all the, the women who come by because he needs to make a living and he has to keep his job and all that, right? So there's no choice in the situation.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly the point that I that I wanted to raise. That There's this psychic tax, right? Mm-hmm. Like that you you are it's not just about you don't have any money. It's not just about your clothes aren't as nice or so you can't go to the Catskills Resort as a guest. It's that there is this psychological component that just weighs on you over and over again and you see that from Swayze numerous times throughout the movie we talked about the moment (laughs) where he says that like no they were using me but there's also like several times where he tells baby that like nobody else has ever believed in him in the way that she has and that's a line that we get a lot in a lot of movies but here it feels real yeah that was very intense it really was like you believe him you believe that that's literally true for this guy, that no everybody had always assumed that this was all he was good for because we've seen it. We've mm-hmm. seen it dramatized within the film.
1: So many people saying like, this is all you are. This is and, all you can it, yeah. it does a such good job of like showing that these characters like don't have much agency in their mm-hmm. class, so like they're yeah. the best at what they do and they're not rewarded through it, even right. though that's like what we're told is how a class system is supposed to work. And then we see that the Ivy League kids who, you know their job is very easy. They're going to be a doctor, and they, to they're hotel fine. management, like, and and they're <laughs> just, yeah, they're just like a random kid who <coughs> you know by lottery are, are going to be fine. And this movie does like a very good job of illustrating that. Yeah, yeah. It it
2: and it's affect. I, I think that I, what I was reminded of watching at this time around was Titanic, right? Because you have that moment mm-hmm. like halfway through or like a third of the way through Titanic where. Rose goes down to the lower parts of the ship, and like there's the real party, right? And like everybody's dancing, and they have a blast, and th- that is recalled or I'm reminded of that when she carries the watermelon, yeah. <laughs> and like they have the uh, that moment in yeah in the uh, other part of the of the resort. But this handles the sub the follow up to that much more elegantly than mm. than Titanic does, right? Because like. Jack Dawson in Titanic is you know a manic pixie dream boy like after that like <laughs> yeah okay he has some money problems and things like that but he doesn't really have much motivating him other than like being with Rose and Swayze has a more complex psychology and they connect that complex psychology to his material conditions to yeah. the fact of his poverty and that really makes it a, a, a much more resonant and, and full character for me um, and it it's interesting to see that that kind of just, that little tweak that's saying like, yeah, okay, he's feeling these things and he's
1: feeling these things because of his class status is, is really profound. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that about it. I also like that the the staff, even though they come from a low class, like, they, like they're like they having a good time. Like right. their summer is fun. <laughs> and if you look at like all the activities the, that the rich people do at the resort. It's Awful, And really, <laughs> really boring, and I, I think you can
0: play bingo. Yeah, yep.
1: baby's enticed by like the dance
0: part, mm-hmm.
1: which is fun and cool, and, and not doing like all the resort activities run by uh Wayne Knight. <laughs> to,
2: uh, yeah,
1: apparently this was like his breakout role. I, mean, was,
0: I like him. I do too. I, mean, like, I, I like, like, like him generally. I like activity. noted this is like way before Seinfeld. So. Yeah, well
1: before Seinfeld. Yeah. Well before Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this. This like got him those roles. So and he's like a. Yeah. He does a really good job of being like a corny summer activities comedian. Oh yeah, like guy. Yeah, who is like, like
0: just trying to be like overly wholesome and really really and small that. role, but good, good role. <laughs> good, yeah, good right. role indeed.
2: Uh, and one of the things I think that's a little bit more understated, but still certainly present here in terms of like interpersonal dynamics. Like this is a Jewish movie in a lot of ways. Right. This is a yeah. this is a Jewish resort. And Jen Gray, like they never state it, but like Jen Gray presents as Jewish. It's called Kellerman's. Like all of the the guests tend to have these very stereotypically Jewish names. And Patrick Swayze is a Gentile, right? Like he he was originally written as Italian, and they wanted to cast Billy Zane, speaking of Titanic. But (laughs) they found out he couldn't dance. Um, So they, they, (laughs) seriously, Uh, so they switched it to Swayze and Irish. But I think that there's that racial dynamic. That that's mm-hmm. part of the reason Harry Orbach is not super thrilled about um, his daughter being involved with mm-hmm. with Johnny Castle. Um, <laughs> is that, yeah, okay, he's not making any money, yeah, he's the help, but he's also the, the Irish help. And I, I, in 63, that's gonna be a little bit more significant than it would be now. and Yeah, I guess I don't know when that tapered off. I mean, it was... It, yeah, there there wasn't a, a, an
1: end date We're no longer, well, yeah, but we're like, no longer racist against the like, Irish. Yeah, there were like Republican ads against the Kennedys or like they're controlled by like the Pope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah there's <laughs> and they were like out about it?
2: Yeah, it was like, the, there was like, explicit like,
0: anti-Catholic. Yeah,
2: explicit concern that he would take orders from the Vatican. All yeah. Right. <laughs> and, like wow, that, that Okay, cuz really I just associate
0: plan. that with, you know, like the like 1800s or early 1900s immigrant stories and all that, right? But I, I didn't know how long that extended until. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it was. Like, yeah, it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because
2: yeah. it was, it was it, it, so strongly associated with the Catholicism. Yeah. And like the, the wasp dynamic was very present and there, especially in upper upper middle, upper upper middle class Jews like staying within the tribe like was still a thing, especially if you're going to resorts like Kellerman's and the Catskills. Um, so I, it, it, they don't explicitly state it, and they never really, they never explicitly state the word abortion either. Um, but I think it's there. I think that's part of what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason they cast Jen Gray, right? Like she is, she presents as Jewish, right? Like she, I think that's important here. Jen Gray and Swayze did, famously did not get along.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Um, yeah. They were making um, this so, movie. So the parts adults. in the early part of the montage are more accurate. Yes. yes. He's, like, really rough with her. I'm like, how are they <laughs> going to fall in love? He's such a dick. Yeah. Th- so that um, that sequence where they're
2: supposed to, like, pose at the end and she, she, like, lifts her arm up over her head and she keeps laughing, that was not scripted. Yeah. <laughs> she was, that's part of the reason she got so upset that's with her. That's such a good scene, though. And, right, is that they, that wasn't supposed to happen. She was just ticklish.
0: So like but that is, also seems like a normal reaction because that like move is so like cheesy and melodramatic. Right? I, I and agree. All and like that's why it ended up in the movie. And ticklish.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently it was because she was ticklish and apparently Swayze was actually upset with her because they had to keep running through takes of this. <laughs> and he was just like a professional or whatever. <laughs> um, which I thought was was very good. Uh, they had worked together previously um, in Red Dawn. They were both in that oh. movie. And
1: Ooh, that does not hold
2: up yeah they didn't get along there either um, and so they had to like really work to convince each of them to work with the other one again in, in this movie um, and it, apparently it took some work uh, why so. did they
0: cast them together if they knew they weren't gonna work together well
2: I mean this was uh, they were both available like they're they're big ways you could dance okay this was a, a, a low budget three-month production movie like it wasn't like this was not conceived of as like a temple like this wasn't supposed to be something that was going to make you know big bucks Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't get great reviews when it first came out Mm -hmm. it didn't have a big campaign it was word of mouth and like a month or two after it came out it like took off okay and it was huge it was it was huge huge. nobody thought that this was going to be nominated for oscars and it was nominated for several well Uh, and one (laughs) one um so yeah like this this movie was not pegged to be a big movie and it was um so they told them like look it you'll get paid it's three months you know like you can talk them into that like deal with this guy for a while it's fine (laughs) and and here we are like still talking about it the, yeah, I remember there's
1: a funny story on This American Life where this guy who's like a, you know, wants to be a screenwriter mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he writes he's like inspired by like the Cuban revolution and he writes this like kind of Romeo and Juliet story but like said amidst the like backdrop of the Cuban revolution and he sells it to a studio and the movie comes out later and it's Dirty Dancing, Two Havana Nights. They <laughs> just t- taken like really small elements of his original script, and it became oh my god, the sequel, the poorly received sequel to this movie. Yeah, which really has
2: nothing to do with this movie. Like this. I think
1: Swayze makes an appearance. Oh really? In it? Okay. I was looking at his uh, IMDb, but oh my god, yeah, it, yeah, that's. That's a different
2: a whole different pickle. Yes, yeah. but yes, the, it's worth know.
1: like taking that up because like it's a funny story.
2: I, of, I have I have, I have not seen Dirty <laughs> Dancing to Havana Nights. Um, like, I can't imagine it's good. I don't plan no. to. Yeah, yeah I, I also don't think that that's probably good. But yeah, this this one was yeah not not pitched to be to be a big deal, um, and then and then all of a sudden it was. But part of what made it a big deal was the song, the um, I had the time of my I had the time, time of my life song. Uh, do we like that song? Like, does it still land? Or is it, is it yeah. too cheesy? Is it work here?
1: That,
0: for the that
1: scene is the one moment where the film kind of, like, it's the most filmed moment of the film. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, they come in, they, like, all dance in the scene. The power of Everything just kind of works out, right? Yeah. I mean, like,
0: that was a little weird because, like, Patrick Swayze shows up. He's, like, lost his job, but he's just going to do this dance, right? Yeah. And then, like... You know, they end with them cheering and all that, but like in the end he's still he's still, he's still out of work. <laughs> yeah. And then like <clears throat> baby's just gonna go back with her family to wherever they're from and like keep living her life probably. She's joined right? the Peace
2: Corps. She's gonna go to I don't know, wherever he went into Peace Corps in okay. nineteen sixty three.
0: Well but uh, yeah. No, but you're she'll right. She'll still be alright. Yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah, he'll be fine support.
2: He, he's still out of a job he, yeah to me like a lot of those moments no, do feel earned at this point like i i just I'm Sold right, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm in it with this movie, um so I'll go along with the giant dance sequence and everybody, you know, getting into it.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's just like the most like right, it's fictional version of the film. yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like everybody
2: reconciles at the end, and like yeah, this, the guy you want to see punished is punished. Yeah, yeah, it's owned. Yeah, even the wife has a nice little moment there at the yeah. at the end. Um so the, the and she does the lift, right? Like I, I the,
0: think it was very satisfying yeah. when she finally did the lift. And they timed it perfectly with the right moment in the song and everything. It was very well put together.
2: They uh that was her first take. Uh, apparently Jen Gray was like actually afraid of, of doing that lift. Like they did it in the water when she was could fall into the water. But part of the reason it didn't show up earlier was that she was actually afraid of doing it. And they're like, Okay, you need to do it now, like this is the part of the movie, and they did it for a take, and that's a take. nailed it. That's the take of the movie. All right, <laughs> so that's cool. It was, it was awesome? cool. Uh, so it kind of like literalized what was going on uh, in the film. I like that. Yeah, apparently, like more of this was improvised than than you'd think. Um, they had the that sequence when they're in Johnny's room and they're like miming along with that song that has the the dialogue component at the beginning of it. Yeah, that was not in the script. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was just, like, them warming up to, like, getting the character. And the, the, they were filming, just, like, incidentally <laughs> at that time.
1: And Yeah, and that's it works. actually really good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. it works really
2: well. Yeah, and it, it really sells the character as well, and it sells the relationship well. I, I, I like that one a lot, and I think a lot of people do. But, yeah, it works really well here. Yeah, I, I'm into it.
0: I also really like the Hungry Eyes song. song. Yeah, I think that also a made it successfully out of this movie as well. Yeah. I, I heard it so many times just outside the context of this movie, I think it was already a huge hit as well. Um, so it's impressive that this movie could vehicle two songs.
2: Yeah, well, it, the, the whole soundtrack here is good. It's just, yeah. it's just one good song after another, uh, really well put together. Um, so yeah, like, I, I agree. Um, any
1: uh,
2: other thoughts on Dirty Do Dancing?
1: Isn't, don't they reference this movie like really heavily in um, Love Actually? Like they actually like recreate the, the huh scene
2: is with. it love actually or is it the um uh emma not, not emma thompson
0: the i haven't stone. seen i haven't seen love actually emma stone and ryan gosling
2: now love oh love. Uh, yeah crazy stupid love yes. yes i think it's in that yeah
0: yeah, yeah. i've seen really I i've that seen that one i don't remember scene. this but i also <laughs> had not seen dirty dancing so i wouldn't have gotten the okay. reference if it was there yeah so
1: i knew the reference from that yeah crazy stupid love yeah that's mm-hmm. the one the pre la la land la la land <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes yeah
0: what are they doing that one again
1: uh they did they recreate the scene but kind of they reference it like in the movie they're like go oh, we want to like i want to do the like dirty dancing lift can you i it's, think like, that it's too. like a it's a romantic moment between like ryan gosling
0: and okay this is it just when like she goes over to his place the first time and- I, they're about to bone.
1: I think so. They're like I haven't a, seen the whole movie, so okay. Like, it's
0: a very long movie for what it is, but yeah. I remember liking it a lot. Actually, yeah.
2: I mean, you know, when you put two charming actors together, you probably get something something good out of it. But that does speak to like the longevity of this movie. Like yeah. this is a yeah. beloved movie. Like people, oh, yeah, absolutely, people love dirty. Yeah, it's dancing. like a cultural touchstone. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, it, like so much so that like they try to recreate this resort and st- <laughs> things like that. Like th- this this is a film that had that. People really, really like with good reason. It's a great movie. Like, I, yeah. I don't think this is a good movie. I think it's a great movie, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that that's it, it, it's such a good example of like organic filmmaking, right? Like, this it didn't have the um, or, or organic fandom, I guess. Like, it, it didn't have the big marketing backing. It didn't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it was just like word of mouth and saying like people yeah. telling each other that yeah, you got to go see this movie. And now it's this huge cultural landmark with multiple lines that people are going to be able to. Identify
0: I feel like I've heard nobody puts baby in the corner referenced a lot. Oh, I don't so. remember where but like it's all the time for, you know, It's
2: referencing comedies and okay all the time. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's the most famous one definitely Which apparently spicy didn't like he, he thought yeah. that he would have a hard time delivering that convincingly um, And he <laughs> saw it in the final product. It does think. seem a little silly. It is a little silly Yeah, right, but the movie's a little silly right? yeah. like there, there is something like Exaggerated about this right like there's yeah. a larger than life quality to this this relationship um, but there's that line, and then the I carried a watermelon line. So yeah. It will get a reference now in it, which is the there. I've not funniest, heard that referenced, actually. That's the funniest line in the movie. Why are those watermelons so long? I have no idea. <laughs> Why is that dude attempting to carry three watermelons at the same you time? you got
0: to do it in one trip. That's how dudes do it, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, right, but like, they, they don't even, like, explain what they're doing with them. He just, like, yeah, brings these watermelons hands up, hands them off, <laughs> and, like, that's it. No more watermelons. I
1: assumed that they were going to do, like, the frat like, Vodka. Right. I thought, water. yeah, they were
2: going to make a drink, which I'm sure is what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we never actually see it. He just, like, has these bottle
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing i was weirded out by is what kind of resort is this? Does this kind of thing still exist? Because, like, usually when so, I think of a resort, you think of, like, a beach or, that's like, a tropical resort. So, yeah.
1: So, it's a Catskills resort, which has traditionally been, like... Where Jews with summer because oh, yeah. it was kind of like a space for them, yeah. Because they would not have been accepted at like other uh, okay. resorts or like not allowed to attend like other private clubs mm-hmm. a resort like this. If you have like a, a uh, Jewish. okay,
0: I'd never heard about that, I didn't know that was a thing, it's, yeah. That's it, interesting, yeah. It's, it's, it's
1: not as common anymore, yeah. It's really fallen by the wayside because of you know, we're <laughs> not as anti Semitic <laughs> of a society anymore, but. Uh, but we kind of are, but uh, <laughs> but no, these resorts have like really don't exist anymore. Like okay. they've gone out of gone out of business. Okay, so, like,
0: I mean they did have the bit at the end about how like they thought these times were going to end or something. Yeah, yeah, well, and that
2: that's pretty explicitly written into the film, um, not just on the economic level. Of, like it's hard to keep open this giant resort that sees patronage three months out of the year, but also like that that this like we talked about earlier, like this movie was positioned to be at the end. The end of things, right? Like this is this is supposed to signal, like this is why we abandoned this time, right? And uh, yeah, like I I think it was effective in that in that sense.
1: Yeah, there's a handful of like private resorts on the Cascabel still, but it's this is something that's just been like lost to time. There's actually like an interesting photograph series that this photographer did, where he like found postcards from these like Catskills resorts and then he went and like found the physical location and photographed them and a lot of them had been like abandoned Mm -hmm. so you see this like weird creepy like abandoned Mm -hmm. resort and then he had it like they were gifts so they would like evolve from the postcard to the actual site and it was like weird to see like a sort of gone time yeah but on the
2: other hand kind of a yeah here's society advancing right like we don't like th- that those kind of Catskills resorts are kind of regressive, right like they they a signal that Jewish people are were not welcome in general society and did need an enclave like there there's value in that and utility in that, And it also is like this heavily stratified you know apparatus that propagated myths about class and income yeah and you know so maybe maybe it's okay that <laughs> those things have kind of fallen away maybe that's not. Maybe they're left in their time.
1: That yeah, fine. yeah. The exclusivity of a resort by this. Well, I guess that's all exists. But. Yeah, right. But, you but know. they still would have been like very exclusive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree.
2: Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on Dirty Dancing? I had a good time. Yeah, did you have the time of your life? <laughs> Not quite that great. <laughs> oh, no, okay, okay. Pretty good time. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I think this is just a. It really one probably one of the better scripts that you'll read. Like you want to study. Um, construction of a story like this is a good one. Like, it, pretty much every beat in this is necessary for the story to function. It's like such an efficient movie, tight as a drum. And I think that in, in in that respect alone is worthwhile. But it's also just great politics that we don't see in general, especially not this era. Great performances. It's really a fantastic cinema. Great yeah, great this is a gem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good stuff. Like, there's a reason this one has, that that people have stuck to this one. It's great. It's a great movie. Okay, well, we'll be back in a moment with Things We've Seen.
1: We'll see you then. Welcome back to Things We've Seen. Uh, this is a section where we watch uh, just movies that are kind of out in the ether, usually more contemporary things. Uh, we're going to start with Wilson. What did you watch recently? I saw The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Has anybody heard of this one?
0: I just know the name.
1: Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it. and I have the, like, two cents synopsis
2: okay but, yeah. um it's really good <laughs> my, my my estimation is it's one of the better movies i've seen this year definitely go see it um the premises that it takes place in modern day san francisco um, it centers around two figures that are like two black young black men living in san francisco that are kind of borderline homeless um but one of them lives with their father in this kind of not quite ramshackle but like age house and his friend lives with him. And he, it, the implication is that he really wouldn't have anywhere else to live mm-hmm. if he wasn't living with his friend. However, his family at one point owned one of the really nice like brownstones in San Francisco, right? Like the the ones that are now like $3 million because of the tech industry. <laughs> and the, the, his, the uh, character's name is Jamie Fails um, and also the actor's name, so this is uh, based on his life, so Jimmy will, becomes obsessed with this house, right, and he will, like, there's other people living in it now, but he'll show up and, like, you know, paint the shutters, or, like, take care of their garden, and things like that, like, he's just obsessed with maintaining and finding a way back into this brownstone that he has absolutely no way of ever affording again in his life. Throughout the movie, he is telling people that the the reason he's so obsessed with this particular house is not just that his family lived in it, but his grandfather built it, as that that he is the one that came along and by hand constructed this house two generations ago when other people lived (laughs) lived in in San Francisco. Um, So it's this story that's most clearly about gentrification, um, most clearly about just how the people that used to live in a space are pushed out by Newcomers when the place becomes hip becomes more becomes more valuable, which is you know San Francisco is the the touchdown of that. There is a bit of a twist that's very easy to see coming. Um, his dad obviously didn't build this house, right? Like that's or <laughs> <laughs> his grandfather obviously didn't build this house, um, and that that is revealed and telegraphed um, early in the movie, uh, and the. Messaging and implications from there are interesting, and I kind of don't want to spoil it because, like, the way the movie reveals it and handles it is really interesting. What I will say is that. It, I have never seen, like, San Francisco shows up in movies relatively frequently. I've never seen it photographed as beautifully
0: as I have oh, yeah. in this movie. It's, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Like, I feel like it's hard to get that wrong. It's a beautiful city. <clears throat> it is, but
2: it, it does it differently here, mm-hmm.
0: right? Because
2: like, we watched Vertigo a while ago, but yeah. like Vertigo also makes San Francisco look really nice, yeah. right? Because San Francisco does look really nice. And it does it by showing the Golden Gate Bridge. And, like, here's the famous museum in San Francisco, and, like, here's the trolley cars. And this movie like approaches it differently. Like we get a little of the bridge, like we get a little bit of the bay, but it's a lot of like the streets and the people that live there and the buildings. Like a lot of great shots of like the structures in San Francisco and the places people are being removed from. Um, and, and very affectionately told, very clearly influenced um, by Beale Street. By if Beale Street could talk, it has a similar look to that movie. Um, but it was really, really good. Uh, so I. I've already given away the biggest twist, but I still strongly, uh, strongly recommend it. Um, it's one of the better movies I've seen this year, anchored by two really, really excellent performances from two mm-hmm. really fresh actors um, that are clearly telling a very personal story. Um, also a very fresh young director who's also clearly telling a very personal story, um, and that shows up on screen. Uh, so the, the movie's The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Go check it out, it's really, really good. I wouldn't be surprised if it got some talk during, during award season.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you see, Charles? Uh, I got around to seeing Booksmart, so I figured yeah. I would give my take on it. Um, so, I do feel like I was a bit disappointed by this movie. Really? Yeah, part of it was because, like, I went in and, like, the reviews were so good and you gave a very glowing recommendation yeah, for it. Scared. So it's hyped. Yeah, exactly. So, maybe, I I don't know if I went in expecting too much or something like that. Um, I go in also with my memories of Superbad, and this movie was way, even closer to Super Bad than I thought it would be. hear that yeah um but like super bad like came at just the right time in my life and i have a very positive memory of that movie um but i feel like maybe the movie didn't have enough of what i wanted out of it and featured too much of what i didn't want out of it Mm -hmm. and what i mean is the first essentially two-thirds of the movie are the two main characters trying to find the party right and i ended up not really liking that part of the movie they get in like these weird hijinks and they like go to the wrong parties and like weird stuff happens to them um but i didn't feel like that was the really like satisfying like character defining moments of the movie the really satisfying stuff for me was when they get to the actual party at the end and they start talking to all these people that they had only barely known you know all their high school classmates and they talk to them uh and they get to know their real selves and they realize that they're all in it together that they're really just friends they're not like adversarial um and those moments were great right but because it's all crammed into the last one third or even quarter of the movie i didn't feel like it it felt rushed i didn't feel like i got to really you know appreciate or like you know absorb these like character interactions and i would have liked if more of the movie feet focused on that part because i really liked that bit of the movie and it ended up being only you know, a third of the movie. I wanted more of that, basically.
2: Have you Have you seen Booksmart? I have. No, they're okay. good things.
0: Yeah, no, I I,
2: I still like it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree in in a sense that I do think that the, the party sequence when they finally when they do get there is the best part of the movie. Like, I think that that's the when yeah. the movie's at its strongest. Um, I also really like how well this normalizes the lesbian character. Yeah, right? like there's no you know push back about that at all that
0: right? was an interesting thing um i found about this movie is just the way the high school students all talk to each other yeah i wonder how accurately it reflects like a real high school environment these days because obviously it's extremely different from when i was in high school <clears throat> right and it's funny to hear all these like very like progressive ideas that i usually only hear about on the internet mm-hmm. like talked about as if they're just reality at this high school Granted, it, it is like, you know, like a California high school and they're all like pretty well off. So I don't know how reflective it is of actual high school culture these days. Um, but it may be, you know, a little uplifting to know that this is where, you know, kids have ended up these days, I, I guess.
2: I, I don't know either, but I had that same thought. Like, I I wonder how how, how true that is. Um, to the high school experience, i what I liked about those earlier sequences or like how they were affected for me is that is how well they, they established and grounded that friendship because the mm-hmm. the way that that party sequence at the end concludes is the breakdown of that friendship right like they have mm-hmm. they have that big fight, and I feel like that lands so well because we have seen like what they 've gone through this evening and how close they are to one another throughout that evening, so you see them. At, at first being rewarded and at first getting the thing they want and then having that snatched away and then the breakdown of the relationship that for me that stuff pays off because of what happened earlier um so i, I hear your point and i, I don't necessarily uh, disagree but i think i enjoyed the, the earlier sequences maybe a little bit yeah, more I mean, and i do like the like um like the crazy girl character that kept that, that was a very good recurring joke. I love that. That landed really well for me. And you yeah. need that earlier stuff for that one to land. <laughs> like, that's true. That's <laughs> so, certainly true. That, that I think um, I liked a lot. Uh, but I hear your take like, Those are fair. I, I, I get that. Uh, so go watch Booksmart, Rossman. <laughs> watch yeah.
0: yeah, we got to find out what you think about it. I'll we'll right.
2: have
1: to catch on streaming. Yeah, we'll do that. I think it is pretty close to that point by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what did you see? Anything good? I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Perfect Bid. Oh shit, I've not knows. heard of this one. Um, it's kind of a kooky character study of this guy who was just obsessed with The Price is Right. Mm. And he, um, in the 80s, uh, you know, just sort of got really into The Price is Right and like watched all the episodes and then um, built like a computer program of like the Price is Right that like had the different games and like actual price items from the show in it and then just started like memorizing all the prices and in, in, uh, The Price this, is Right. The showcase. Um, and then he finally uh, recounts the story of like the first time that he's able to go The Price is Right and he from the audience is like yelling out prices that are like <laughs> perfect and so, like, people... And they have, like, the actual, like, episodes that they're oh, showing. Wow. And they show people, like, reacting to it. <laughs> and start, they start, like, listening to it. Um, and he's... He, it's set up like he's going to be called, and then mm-hmm. he doesn't get called. Um, so, like, they sort of move ahead a few years in the story, and he recounts the time that, like, he goes back, and he, like, is able to get on the show. Um and he, he does really well and makes it to like the showcase showdown but like um, because of the wheel of fortune element at the end is not able to make it to the oh, showcase no. so um, because of like the old rules of the price is right you're no longer able to you can never once you've been on the show you're not allowed to be back back on the show which a rule that they that actually since changed um <laughs> So they advance again a few years <laughs> and he, he goes to Price is Right like pretty often. He's been like 15 or like 20 times or something. Um, and early, like the first season that Drew Carey is the host of the show, he's in the audience and he's sitting next to this couple and the husband gets called and the wife and the main guy, I forget his name, are like calling prices out to the guy, <laughs> and he's just like nailing every every single one. And the guy makes it to the showcase showdown, and th- this is where like the controversy comes in, where uh, the couple in real life say that they that the wife like worked out their right, or no, that the husband had like worked out the prices, and he called this like really wild like $70,983.16 cents, like perfectly Dang. and he claims to have like made that bid and the main character of like this documentary is like no like the wife and I were like running the numbers and like he had come up with that number and then he like ran it again and he like told the wife and the wife like signaled it to the guy yeah. and <laughs> wow. that had never happened before and I don't think it's happened since and the whole like show stopped for like <laughs> For like thirty minutes or something, because they didn't know what to they didn't know what to do. Like they thought that someone had cheated the system because when Drew Carey came on, they fired they had fired like a really long time producer okay. who was like well liked, and so they were concerned that it was like the crew was like getting back at them and like, oh my god, like leaked the correct price to this guy. Um, so they like thought the show was going to be canceled. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> And yeah, and it came out later that like the, the husband um, had claimed that like he had just come up with a number organically, and this guy claims to have like actually calculated it correctly. And the documentary is like very much on the side of like this guy who's just like in his normal life is just like a school teacher, mm-hmm. and is like the best prices right player <laughs> in, in the history. world. Yeah, I remember um, seeing that clip. Yeah, um, and just how
2: pissed Drew Carey looked <laughs> like he was so mad, and he was, he was oh like very
1: fresh on the job. Right,
2: it was like his first year and, and like his first
1: season, I think.
0: He's gonna get canceled immediately. <laughs> right.
1: they, they show an interview with Drew later, yeah, and he's like, "I, I thought I was gonna be fired." Like in that moment, he's just like, "The show is over." Yeah, like he was pissed like you can see it on his face and like he still has to do
2: the whole thing like congratulations whatever and like it's not convincing he he was not happy um so yeah the clip i guess all i've seen is the clip on youtube and it's something yeah
1: yeah Yeah. so it's interesting to like hear the backstory of that Um, yeah
0: Wait. So, what happens as a result of him getting that price exactly right? He, he wins. wins the thing. You that's, win the the thing that's seventy thousand dollars or whatever. You win
1: the stuff. Yeah, yeah. You win all the stuff. I okay. think you can like take it in cash. Um, and uh, like, you have to pay taxes on it on it, but you just yeah, you just win those things. Right. And it was like an RV and like some some other stuff. Okay. Could, there's like a grandfather clock in there. Or yeah, well, yeah. The things, it's just so the things, things are always like kind of ridiculous. Goofy. But yeah, it's just kind of this like small story around someone who's just like really good at this one thing mm-hmm. which is like a very American story <laughs> I think like I think we're all kind of like sort of champions in this like really discreet yeah. way yeah and it's like it seems like that and how did it work as a documentary it's it's not perfect um but it's like it's an interesting story and the main guy is like quite the character okay. and i think that's why it works mm-hmm. um it's love it's like very lovingly made like they mm-hmm. engage with like the style of the show so like all the graphics are kind of stylized yeah. like the price is right set elements which feels like a bit cheeky but um i, I think it's fine it's not like a perfect mm-hmm. documentary but the story is like interesting and odd and mm-hmm. It feels like a *This American Life* episode, okay. just like put to film. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. and it's short. It's only like an hour. So oh, really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's like easy to easy watch. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's your choice. My pick. See? Okay, See? so when we did this soft reboot
2: um, and decided to, you know, pick movies that we hadn't seen before, um, two came to mind immediately that I knew were like big ones that I hadn't yeah. seen. One of them we've done already, and that was *Terminator 2*. Yeah. The other one is *Inception*. So Holy shit. Let's do Inception. <laughs> that's, oh, that's my God. So I would
1: predict that you will hate this movie. I do, too. That's oh, why oh I didn't my God.
2: Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that that's the next pick. Um, Inception that sound effect
0: just played in my by, head. Yeah, by you by Chris <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it. Please comment. Please like. It really does make a difference. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, Google Play, Facebook, um, and very easy to contact individually. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so thank you for being there. Um, and join us next week for Inception.